You're listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We'll be joined by experts who will help us understand current issues and resources available to those diagnosed with blood cancer. Holidays and, you know, those things are, are, mean so much more now than they did prior to cancer entering our lives. This may potentially be a cure for some patients. We'll also be speaking with patients and caregivers who will share their cancer journey with us to better understand life after diagnosis and let you know you're not alone. Beforehand, my job was to earn a living for my family. My wife said to me, your job now is to live. And that's what I'm doing. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. And I'm really enjoying it. It's a much more fulfilling life. Everything that I knew, I didn't know anymore. That defense mode. We're survivors. Like... But they're probably not the questions that you want answered. So, yeah, writing them down for us is important because of our chemo brain. Let's get started. Welcome to the Bloodline with LLS. I'm Shona. Today we are on location in Denver, Colorado, at CancerCon. For those who don't know, CancerCon is a conference held every year by Stupid Cancer, which is an organization that provides support to young adults and adolescents who are cancer survivors. Here with me is Sarah Davenport, a young adult survivor and a speaker on the blood cancer panel here at CancerCon. Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. How are you liking CancerCon so far? Well, I've only done the panel so far, so... (laughs) which was fantastic. It's just incredible to connect with so many people that have been through similar experiences. And I'm excited to see what else the weekend holds. Speaking of your experience, could you tell us a little bit more about your background and your story? Sure. My story started, well, thinking back to, I'm going to rewind it a little bit before I actually got diagnosed. So back in, I want to say 2009, I was actually first introduced to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. A friend of mine had passed away from lymphoma and his family at the memorial just they told everyone like please don't give us flowers don't give us money donate to the leukemia lymphoma society they were so instrumental in helping our family through this whole experience so i went home that night and i like got on the computer i'm like leukemia lymphoma society like what is this okay i'll make a donation and then as i pulled it up i learned about team and training and i'm i so distinctly remember sitting there and and I just thought okay I can donate $50 or I can do a race and raise a lot more money and have like such a bigger impact in my friend's honor and so I ended up doing two races I did the San Diego Triathlon and Lava Man Triathlon I raised over $20,000 wow and that's incredible it was really it was such like a cool experience not only just being able to kind of do that in my friend's honor, but then also for myself and getting involved and really feeling like this passion and purpose towards it. And then cut to a few years later, I actually had gone home for Christmas. My grandfather had just passed away. So we had a funeral for him. He was 94 years old. So it was, he had a wonderful life, but I went home for his funeral. My mom and I were sitting there and she looked at me and she was like, what is that giant lump on your neck? hadn't really paid attention and she got me into a doctor the next day and he did an ultrasound and within about 30 seconds he was like oh this is totally cancer 
And I'm like, wait, um, I'm sorry, what? What? Can we rewind that for a second? Uh, and I looked at him, I'm like, don't you need to do, like, a biopsy or something? I know I don't know a lot, but come on. Right. And he's like, well, yes, but, and at that time, my first cancer was thyroid cancer. And so I ended up going through the process of that. I went through surgery and treatment for that. And then shortly thereafter, I had another lump on my neck. And this time it was right behind my jaw, kind of under my ear. And called my doctor. I'm like, eh, something's going on. Like, I don't know exactly what this is, but it's not in the area of my thyroid. So he thought it was maybe an infection from my first treatment. And so they put me on antibiotics and steroids and like nothing helped, nothing helped, nothing helped. And finally I was like, well, I think we need to scan you. And so I got a CT scan and within a few hours I got the phone call and was like, we need to have you come in immediately for an MRI. And then it's like, we need to have you come in for a, a biopsy. And you know, within a few days it, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma diffuse large B cell. And then I started chemo pretty quickly thereafter because he, my oncologist had explained, he's like, you know, it spreads really quickly and we need to like get on this immediately. And as of today, I just had my two-year scan um, earlier this week, actually. I have oh. my appointment with my oncologist this, this coming week, but um, scan looked good, so... Congratulations. Very excited. Thank you. So this is, this is a big week for you. It, yeah, <laughs> it's a really big week. It's like, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, the timing is amazing. So that's a really great story of how you got involved with LLS. How did you become involved with CancerCon then? Well, through LLS, I've been volunteering. So I went through treatment in Los Angeles, and then after I finished chemo, I moved to Denver. My dad lives out here. I wanted to be closer to family, kind of have a little break from living in crazy Los Angeles. (laughs) And so I moved out here, and I wasn't ready to start working um, after treatment, and so I started volunteering. And... I work with um, the Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital here and was doing the Cancer Resource Center and like going around and sitting with patients and talking to them about all the resources that the Leukemia Lymphoma Society has. So that's kind of how I got involved in Denver with this. And then from there, I was asked to speak on the panel. So it's really exciting. That is really exciting. I loved watching you talk on the panel this morning. You had so many interesting things to say, and your journey of survivorship and what that means to you is very interesting. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you a few more questions about that. I know that, you know, fertility and hormonal issues are very important to you, and you have some experience with that. Um, I do. (laughs) Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners about your experience? It's been an interesting experience for me. I was 36 when I was first diagnosed, so I'm 41 now. So I was kind of, I think, at the tail end. Like, I still thought I had an opportunity to have kids before kind of heading down this cancer path. And then the first treatment that I went to for went through for thyroid cancer kind of messed up my reproductive system a little bit, and then it kind of got back on track, and then I got hit with chemo. And that completely kicked me into menopause. So the whole process of that has definitely brought up a lot of challenges, not only physically, mentally, emotionally, like really having to wrap my head around the idea like my body just cannot have children. It's been an interesting sort of process of 
coming to grips with that and understanding like this is the situation. I didn't have time before chemo to bank eggs, to do any of that. We really had to get it started immediately. And and then on the physical side as well, right now just dealing with all the aftermath of menopause and what that looks like when you're only 40. And you know, so much of it for me really has to do with like looking at the long-term picture. What does that mean? for the rest of my body, for my bone health, for my heart health, you know, all of these things that I'm like, I never thought about these. (laughs) Like, I was just sort of like, okay, I'm a healthy person. And this was, you know, I'll think about that when I'm older. And now it's like, wait a minute. No, I have to think about this now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm on hormone replacement therapy, trying to figure it all out. It's definitely been a struggle trying some new interesting tactics with my doctor. I've got a reproductive endocrinologist and I really encourage girls, women, you know, younger cancer adults to like talk to a reproductive endocrinologist. Um, That has such an important person in my survivorship plan just to get that all on track and to make sure you're doing the things to take care of your body for the right. long term. And I know with fertility and hormonal issues for young women, it's it's very important for them to be their own advocate because a lot of times they're getting treated. Like you said, it's like, let's go into chemo right away. Let's get this treatment started right away. And you know, it could be all said and done before they even realize what's happened and then they have to deal with these issues. And so did you find that there was a lot of support for you when you were going through that? Well, it was definitely brought up. My oncologist and I, talked about it he was very he was very good about you know broaching the subject and kind of like the timeline and the reality of my diagnosis how it had spread what we were looking at what we were dealing with and talking about the fertility i felt very clear on i just wanted to get chemo started um and i knew the process of banking eggs and going through all of that i had had a girlfriend who had just recently done it And so I understood that process a little bit and I knew like for me, for my body, for what my body had already gone through too with the thyroid cancer, I just was like, you know what, I just need to be okay. And, and so I did feel like I had a lot of support around it and it was just kind of like a, it it was a whirlwind. I mean, it's just such a whirlwind when you get diagnosed and there's so many things that you have to think about in a really short amount of time and you have the pressure of life and death. That's why it's so important, I think, that we have like LLS and stupid cancer that can kind of help to, yeah. you know, maybe organize all of these things a little bit more for us because, you know, as you were saying, there's just so much that you have to consider and so much that's going on and so much that's going through your head that it can be extremely overwhelming. I know something that you were saying with, you know, being 41 and, and going through menopause and all of this, how does that kind of tie into the overall like, process of healing? Because I know you've said before that healing process is very long and it's a lot longer than you you know, expected. It just doesn't just end the day that, you know, your treatment ends. I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but I don't know if as you go into this process of getting a diagnosis and facing treatment, surgery, all of these things, like, I don't know that I necessarily could have wrapped my head around what healing would look like. It was like, okay, I have to deal with what's immediately in front of me right now, and then I'll deal with what's next. Like, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Thankfully, you know, again, and having that support and talking to other survivors, I had a girlfriend who had been through leukemia who was very clear with me, like, Sarah, it takes a long time. Don't expect you're going to finish treatment, and within a couple months, you're going to be, like, quote-unquote normal. Like, she's like, you probably won't feel like yourself for a year. 
And I remember just thinking, yeah, 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 okay. You know, maybe that was your (laughs) experience, but I'm sure I'll be fine. And she had to remind me of that over and over because I might have a couple good days and then I would feel horrible and have to sleep for three days. And, you know, she'd be like, just, I'm telling you, like, it takes a long time. And after, you know, having the evidence of that a few times, I was like, okay, I guess I have to trust her and believe her and not try to have this expectation on myself that like, oh, I'm going to be fine. It's like, okay, I don't know what it's going to look like. This is completely new to me on every possible level and I have to be patient. And it has been a process and it's slowly gotten better and better and better, but it's like, take a few steps forward and a step or two back and then a few more steps forward. And patience has been such probably the biggest thing that I have had to learn is just, you know what, just go with it and relax. Right. And be forgiving of yourself as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that expectation. And anytime I, you know, talk to people who are newer on this path, it's like, be gentle with yourself, be easy on yourself. Your body just went through hell. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, take the time that you need, do the things. If you are feeling tired, rest. If you, you know, are craving something or if it's too much to be around a bunch of people, don't be around people, you know, or vice versa. If you're really feeling like you need connection, reach out and ask for help. Like whatever it is that sounds good to you, really dive into that. And, and like, yeah, not having this expectation like, oh, I should just jump back into life the way it was before because it's just, that's not, it's not going to happen. No, it's really interesting and and great that you say, you know, be gentle on yourself because we, we were, you were on the panel this morning and I was in the room and, you know, people kept speaking up and talking about their experiences with things like chemo brain. And I was just sensing so much anguish and so much sadness from people who were saying, you know, you know, I, I'm a realtor, I meet with people every day and I can't remember their names or, you know, I'll forget things. I, you know, I, I can't remember, you know, what I did yesterday or, you know, I'll be having a conversation with somebody and not be able to follow along. And they seemed to be kind of beating themselves up a little bit. They, were, they seemed really sad that, you know, they just weren't themselves cognitively. And they also kind of had this feeling of, you know, people don't necessarily understand that this is very, a very, very real thing that that people are going through. Oh, definitely. No, and, and it's really interesting feeling, I mean, that anguish and the anxiety around the late side effects or the side effects that, you know, you're still dealing with into survivorship. It was like you could just feel it in that room. There was a lot of stress around it and a lot of like, I need an answer, fix me. Mm-hmm. And sadly, there's not just a simple fix for these things. And, and it's so subjective like what one person's experience might be might not be the same as yours or you know my experience with things like chemo brain is it's a lot better than it was when I was going through treatment and I still have moments when I my brain is not the same that it was before Mm -hmm. and I've really had to kind of lean into that like okay like acceptance acceptance and surrender You know, because when I'm the most frustrated and anxious is when I'm expecting myself to be like I used to be. And it's just not possible. You know, my body and brain went through a lot physically. And it's frustrating and I don't like it. And this is what it, it is what it is, which is really hard sometimes. And especially like when it comes to being at work and wanting to just like put this aside. Like, okay, I want to put that I'm a cancer survivor in a box over here. And 
just go along and be a normal person. And it's really hard to when you have these things that you're struggling with. So it was, yeah, I just wanted to give everybody in there a hug. I'm like, God, I get it. It's so frustrating. And you're doing great, like exactly how you are. And sometimes I'll even say to people, like, guess what? This is called like chemo brain. You know, no, I'm not going through chemo now. Yes, I'm, you know, in remission and I feel good. And I still deal with this. And I think that's part of the thing, too, is like opening the conversation, not just in the cancer community, but out in the rest of the world. Like, this is a real thing. If you know somebody who's gone through cancer and they're struggling with cognitive issues or remembering things or details, it's like these are real issues. And opening that up, because I feel one thing that I have definitely noticed is people, it's like they think, well, you're done with treatment, so you're fine now. And, and I don't think people necessarily understand how long of a process it is. And educating people and just being very, I mean, I try to be very real about it. Like, yeah, I'm doing great and I still struggle. And that's, that's what it looks like. Right. So I think it's a, a bigger conversation to be had for sure. Yeah, and I think that the chemo brain especially can cause a lot of anguish. You know, this is a conference for young adults and they have different concerns and issues perhaps than, you know, some some older cancer patients like if you're diagnosed at the age of 65. And I've seen this, you know, I, you know, I, I go on our patient forums a lot at LLS and one of the things that people will say is like, you know, I'm very grateful that I'm retired because even though this sucks, I at least don't have to go to work and I'm retired. But if you're diagnosed with cancer at the age of 25, like a lot of the people at this conference are, you're going to have to go back to work. You're going to have to maybe finish school, finish your degree. And, you know, with all of these long-term survivorship issues. So, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, the confidence around getting back to work can be an issue. And I know that, you know, getting back to work is something that you are barking on right now. So do you have any advice for young people? <laughs> it's been well and it's so interesting again it's one of those things I I didn't even really think about it or understand it I had you know a pretty substantial career before getting sick and then got sick and kind of took a step back from everything and completely uprooted my life like I said I before I moved from Los Angeles to Colorado and big life changes and then it's like oh my god now what like, what am I doing? What is this going to look like? How am I going to support myself? And having a big chunk of time where I wasn't working and then trying to get back into the work world, I definitely found myself not having the confidence and second guessing myself and questioning, like, am I going to be able to do this? What am I worth? Like, what do I bring to the table? Like, it's almost like I had forgotten who I was before getting sick and that oh, no, I actually have a ton of skills and I'm a very, you know, I'm a, I'm a good employee. I, like, offer a lot in the world. And it's like I had forgotten that because those few years I was a cancer patient and that was my identity. And now I'm, like, slowly moving into – it's been a process. This past year has been a process. Like we were talking before we started recording, you know, I wasn't ready to start working, so I started volunteering and kind of, like – getting into the habit of like going to places and showing up and being of service and doing things. And then from there it was like, okay, a little part-time job. And, you know, it's been like baby steps for me. And thankfully I was able to do that financially and 
I didn't, it wasn't like, okay, I finished treatment and I had to try to get back to work right away. I think that definitely poses some other struggles as well. Really, there was, I, I just, I couldn't have done that. So I really feel grateful that I have been able to do this process. But, but getting back to building that confidence and then having a part-time job where I was able to step into a role and really get back to who I was in, in the workplace it shifted everything and then it was like oh yeah wait a minute I do have a lot to offer and I'm not just a cancer patient I have so much more living to do and it really helped me to kind of like step into that feeling more confident and and just moving forward which I think has been something I've really been struggling with and excited to do so with all of that, you know, learning that you're more than just a cancer patient and that you have a lot to offer the world, um, how does that tie into other aspects of survivorship? So, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, in the, in the session this morning about um, what is survivorship? What does that mean? What does it mean to be a survivor? So what does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, and I think in kind of bridging that gap of not only finding work and kind of moving forward, there's so many pieces to survivorship. There's obviously the physical side, you know, having to have a follow-up plan and the doctor's appointments and looking at my diet and exercise. And like I was talking about before, hormonally, all of those like medical, my physical body, how is it functioning? There's that piece of it. There's also the emotional piece of the fear and anxiety of the cancer coming back, um, dealing with fewer and fewer doctor's appointments and kind of the the nerves around like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like if it, if it does come back, are they going to catch it? What are we going to do? You know, there's, there's that piece of it. There's also the piece of the connection and community part. And I think that's why something like CancerCon and why the LLS community is so important because for me, talking to other people who really get it is key because I can talk to my other friends who've never been through it. I can talk to my family, but they don't understand what it really looks like for me as a survivor and at this age and and really having to like recreate my life again. Um, And I think the really cool part about being on this type of journey, and I talk to friends who have other survivors as well, it's like, okay, this is definitely not what I've ever chosen for myself. Like, no, thank you. I do not, (laughs) do not want to ever have to go through this again. But there's also so many beautiful things that have come out of it. And I think that's where, especially like moving into work or like, you know, creating community, creating a a new life for myself, I have so much more empathy and compassion, not only for myself, but for other people, whether they're cancer survivors or just humans on the planet. It's like, oh my gosh, so many people go through so much. And, you know, I've really learned everybody goes through something whether it's a cancer diagnosis or a divorce or, you know, losing somebody way too soon, like what I, whatever it looks like, everybody has their turn in the barrel. Like that I think is just a part of the human experience. And for me now, I'm able to look at people and see them with so much more compassion. So that I think is such like a beautiful gift of moving forward. And then just also such a new appreciation for life. And I was having this conversation yesterday with my friend who's here for the conference. I feel almost like I'm on borrowed time. Like, okay, you know, the 36 years leading up to me being sick, 
I was so focused on like career and this and that and making money and education and doing all these things and you know the grind and now it's like holy cow I really appreciate I woke up this morning and I was able to open my eyes and see the sun shining and sit and have a cup of coffee and you know it's just like the simple things are so important and precious to me now and so many of the things that I used to stress about and worry about just seem completely unimportant. You know, I'm like, literally, if it's not cancer, then <laughs> eh, it's doable. Like, and even, even with cancer, I'm like, you know, God forbid, I really pray that this uh, two, two is enough for me. Like, I've had my fill. Two is more than enough. <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, and it's like, but if, God forbid if something came back, I'm like, you know what? we deal with it. Like that's, that's one thing I've definitely learned. It's like, you just put one foot in front of the other, try to be as happy and enjoy the moment. And then when I'm struggling, I ask for help. And that I think is like the simple equation of life. And somehow as humans, we complicate things so much and we kind of miss the point of like, no, we're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to enjoy this life. Right, right. Not run ourselves ragged when we don't have to. Yeah. And asking for help is so important. It's been key for me getting through all of this and for then me being able to be there for other people, you know, and and I feel like one of the, the topics that came up on the panel this morning was survivor's guilt. A young girl asked about it and we were talking after the panel about it and, you know, and I even said to her, I was just like, Instead of me feeling bad about, okay, I'm still alive when I've lost, you know, friends to this disease, it's like, okay, how can I pay it forward? How can I help somebody else and like bring some meaning to something that's really awful? And, you know, I can't, I I don't know why I'm still alive and someone didn't make it. Like, I don't, I don't get to know those things. I mean, who knows? Maybe someday I do, but right now, I don't know. But what I do know is, I can then be a better person in this world and help somebody else who's maybe struggling or who doesn't understand, you know, if their family member got cancer and maybe they don't understand how to deal with it, how to show up for them. It's like, well, I can help them with that. So that has definitely been a benefit of going through all of this. Yeah, that's such a beautiful sentiment too, you know, being able to take your experience and then pay it forward and help other people. Because as, as you said, you are in a unique position of, being able to understand what people are going through. You know, other people can try to empathize, but unless you've been through it, you know, so you are in a unique position to offer help. And it's it's so wonderful that you are choosing to spend your time doing that. You know, we here at LLS definitely appreciate it. And I'm sure that, you know, everyone else that you've touched appreciates it as well. Thank you. Well, and one of the things that I had suggested to this young girl, it's such a cool program that LLS has, the First Connection program. I'm like, how awesome is that to be able to connect with people who other young cancer survivors or people who are just diagnosed and be able to just be like, yeah, I get it. I totally, totally get it. And I think those are some really powerful words. Absolutely. And I know that program has helped a lot of people. So yeah, you're absolutely correct. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being here at CancerCon. Thank you for everything that you've done with LLS and for joining us on this podcast. Thanks for having me. This is so wonderful. It's been a pleasure.
Thanks for listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We can be found on iTunes and other great podcatchers. You can subscribe at www.thebloodline.org. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Keep up with LLS by following us on Twitter at LLSUSA and Facebook at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Until next time.